Hi, friend. Today on the Husband Law Podcast, we are interviewing Kirk Frankum. Kirk Frankum has devoted his life to helping leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints lead more boldly. He is helping them start hard conversations, how to navigate hard things, and how to be more loving and accepting so that more people within the church feel seen, loved, and supported. And while he is doing that, he is helping the members of the congregation be more supportive of their leaders as well. I love the topics we covered. We covered all sorts of things. And I think whether you are in the church, whether you are out of the church, whether you are a leader, whether you identify as queer, or maybe you are a divorced member of the church, you are going to get something out of this conversation. I promise you it's going to be a great listen. Kirk is the founder of the Leading Saints nonprofit organization. He has a podcast called Leading Saints, and he has generously provided access to his LGBT summit, which is for leaders in the church who are wanting to learn how to be a better support and minister to our queer brothers and sisters within the church. So if you are looking for more, go check that out. The link is in our show notes. And I will give you a little reminder at the end of today's podcast as well. Hope you enjoy today's interview with Kirk Frankum. How can I just understand more about your friends? Like you guys getting together sometime? Can I come to your next barbecue or whatever it is? (laughs) And uh, just that exposure does so much for an individual that you can't sit down with a book and get it from a book or You know, you can't read the scriptures more, pray for it. You like have to go out and engage with individuals. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Okay. We are excited today to have Kirk Frankum here, and I should have made sure. It's Kurt, not Kirk. I said Kirk. Kurt. Oh, I'm starting <laughs> yes, it's over. with a T. No, I know it's with a T. It's fine. We can just go from I'm this. not a Trekkie. You know, I'm, I'm more of a Star Wars guy. So, yeah, it's Kurt with a T. I know it's Kurt. I have it written down. I've said your name a million times. And <laughs> she still called you Kirk. Yeah. We did hear before this how I was talking before we actually started recording. <laughs> so we were aware that this might be rough. <laughs> nice. But we have Kurt Frankum here. And he is the host of the Leading Saints podcast, as well as a whole host of things to go along with that. And we are going to have him tell you about who he is and what he does so we can get it straight from him. I'm excited for this because, Kurt, I told you this in Florida when we were down there, that during my Saturday morning chores, I throw you into my ears and I listen, I give it a good listen, and then I start forwarding the podcast to my bishop, to the elders quorum presidency, to anybody in the my quorum is like, hey, somebody can there you listen go. to this. So, to my mom. Yeah, to Jessica's mom. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. That's really the, you know, if we've had any growth, it's mainly been word of mouth, you know, people sharing content that uh, others would appreciate. So that's, that's how you know it's, it's a good message. Yeah. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy it. Okay. So tell us about yourself, Kurt. Okay. Well, uh, So I grew up in West Valley City, Utah, and uh, went on a mission to Sacramento, California, Spanish speaking, and uh, then came home from my mission and was sort of thrust into the world of leadership. I I really 
wasn't a leader on my mission by any extent, nor did growing up, I always dreamed of being a, a Disney animator. And uh, okay. that did not happen, let's just say. So <laughs> I, I wish time. I'm not working on the next Disney movie, though I wish I, I could. And so I, this is the last leadership industry that I never thought I would end up here. But so I was in a uh, singles ward where I met my wife and uh, she's from Idaho, grew up on a potato farm. And uh, we now have three kids. And uh, going back to that singles ward experience, I was called as the elders quorum president. That was like my first leadership experience that I ever had. And so I sort of thought, well, this is great. I'm glad they've asked me because I'm actually going to try. Because I think the other leaders weren't trying. And where was that, the, that's where where was the, the problem singles was. ward? <laughs> it was in uh, in Salt Lake. We met at the Salt Lake Community College Institute building. Okay. So, so you were going to be the first leader to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, this is not rocket science, guys. I mean, if, if I just try, then we'll break <laughs> records and it'll be awesome. So obviously I did try, probably tried too much. And I've made all the typical mistakes with the you know, the guilt trip lessons. I spent hours upon hours in the clerk's office rearranging the home teaching routes because I knew if I just had the right combination, suddenly it would get done <laughs> and uh, just didn't know how to delegate all these things. And, and I left that experience, obviously got engaged and, and married and left that ward. And I sort of left that experience thinking, huh, like that was not what I expected. I tried really hard and didn't even move the needle. And then a few years later, I was asked to serve as the high priest group leader in a ward in South Salt Lake. And I thought, ah, well, why even try now? I mean, I did that before and it didn't seem to work. And so I was sort of discouraged by it all. And I didn't understand why I could walk into a bookstore and see bookshelves full of life leadership, business leadership, all these leadership books, but nobody was really talking about leadership in the context of the church. And so I thought, well, I'm no leadership expert, but maybe I could create a platform to bring the experts and we can just figure out maybe if there's a different way to go about this to actually see some some positive change and and make the kingdom of God a better place to come and worship. And so as far as my professional life, I graduated from the University of Utah with BYU season tickets because BYU rejected me three times and graduated in marketing <laughs> and then worked at Young Living selling essential oils that I could tell you way too much about essential oils uh, that I shouldn't know. But then I left that and started my own web development company with a great business partner. Uh, actually, he was from Boise area. And uh, then uh, Leading Saints grew and grew. And you know, I started, uh, it started just as a hobby blog. And then in 2014, we started the podcast and that's when it got some real traction. And then 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit. And uh, I went full-time with Leading Saints and this is what I do every day. It's like the coolest job ever other than being a Disney animator. But I don't know. That probably won't happen. <laughs> Next best thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Soon. absolutely. So I love hearing the story behind that because like Matt said, we listen to the podcast. We follow you on Instagram and all the things. I get your newsletters. But hearing how it all came about is really cool and very much, I mean, Matt and I are both entrepreneurs. And so we love hearing that identifying the need and filling yeah. that gap. Right. Yeah. It's one thing to be an entrepreneur, a whole nother thing to be an entrepreneur that runs a nonprofit. Uh, yep. <laughs> there's no, there's no big uh, payoff or, you know, going public and being a bazillionaire at the end of this, but man, it sure is fulfilling to, to create content that helps a lot of people that have influence. So, That's so amazing. can I ask what your nonprofit organization's relationship is with the LDS church? Yeah. So the reality is, is the church doesn't necessarily officially endorse third-party organizations, but 
there's a group of us out there like, you know, Book of Mormon Central, there's uh, FAIR, does the, the apologetic academic stuff. There's the more good foundation that does like the third hour content, Saints Unscripted. And so there's these, and North Star is another one. And, you know, so there's these third party organizations that aren't connected to the church, but are faith promoting and want to see the church succeed, but sort of find their niche and where they can help and create community or content around that. So we've just sort of picked the leadership niche and uh, creating content that way. But, you know, I wish I went to lunch with elder whomever every Thursday and mm-hmm. we just, uh, you know, <laughs> talked over uh, different uh, content ideas and things, but that doesn't happen. But I have a great relationship with people, the priesthood department and, you know, the church reaches out in maybe a informal way. And, and like, for instance, we have a virtual summit, a virtual conference coming up in January, all about leading youth. And so Brad Wilcox, who's a good friend of mine, who's in the Young Men's General Presidency, reached out and said, hey, you know, we could probably help you get some people to participate in that, right? So it's not like an official endorsement or they would never go that that place, but there's definitely a, a place to talk about some of these topics, where it's, whether it's LGBT, whether it's leadership, whether it's Book of Mormon, and uh, create content that's going to help Latter-day Saints. Nice. That's awesome. And I do love that a lot of like the summits and things you do are focused towards more marginalized groups or groups that, you know, we need the extra support and sometimes have been overlooked. (laughs) Yeah. And now we're as a church kind of going more towards that way. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, sometimes it's marginalized. Other times it's just sort of taboo, right? Like we did a whole virtual summit about helping individuals overcome pornography, right? And you know, I I don't necessarily think the pornography group is uh, marginalized as much as nobody just wants to talk about it, right? But yeah. then there's the LGBT summit we did where, yeah, for sure, the leaders want to help, but they don't know how to help. So they think maybe if I pretend it's not there, it'll just fix itself or it'll go away or I don't have to look at it, right? And so, but that never works. And so the more we can create content and it's nice being that sort of separated from the church because if the church did something like that, you know, every word would be scrutinized and as far as the topics they're talking about, it would yeah. never be good enough. But at the end of the day, we're an independent organization that just wants to see if we can help. And we we don't necessarily solve the problem or solve the dynamics that are sometimes hurtful, but at least we create a platform where people can come, learn, talk about it, and know that we're doing it from a faith-promoting perspective. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest steps too is just starting that conversation. A lot of times we're just afraid to even start the conversation and your platform has created that let's just start the conversation. It's not sanctioned by really anything other than people trying to love people. So. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes starting that conversation is the most difficult thing. And once you get that momentum, then it's like, oh, like nobody's getting, you know, nobody's dying from this conversation. We can keep going and it's actually full of love and encouragement. So great. I'm glad we started it. Can you tell us a little more about that LGBT summit and what went on there and what kind of topics were discussed and who was yeah. involved? Yeah, so um, I'm actually sit on the board of North Star, which I mentioned is another third-party nonprofit organization, and their focus is creating community among Latter- LGBTQ Latter-day Saints who are striving to maintain their covenants and whatnot. And so we connected with them, leading saints with North Star, and said, hey, let's create a virtual summit where both leaders and parents and any Latter-day Saint who wants to learn and understand more about the LGBT you know, life, you know, the hurtful things, the encouraging things, how individuals are reconciling these things, how individuals are finding happiness, whatever it is. And so the basic 
format of the virtual summits is we find anywhere from 20 to 30 people, sit down with them, cover a specific topic, just interview them. A lot of times it's LGBTQ individuals who just want to sort of unpack their story. This is what it was like for me. You know, my state president said this, my mission president said that, and I know with good intentions what they're meaning, but it really made me feel hurt or heartbroken, or it made me want to step away further from that relationship type of thing. And so we tried to cover as many of those topics as possible and find people who could speak to that in a faith-promoting perspective and uh, recorded them and made them you know, possible for individuals to review. So um, I can give look up some the specific topics, everything from, you know, we had a, a transgender sister who served a mission as a sister missionary and then later transitioned and now is trying to find place in the church and is a faith-promoting individual. And it's just so helpful. It's just that exposure. And that's maybe a deeper principle we can discuss. But a lot of leaders don't have opportunities of exposure to that. And it's hard to be proactive in going out and and doing that. I remember being a bishop and having two um, gay brothers who lived in my ward. I knew one was a return missionary, but it was like, we were wild animals. Like, you don't talk to me and I won't talk to you. Okay. Like we had this (laughs) unspoken truce, right? When in reality, I should have gone over there, knocked on their door and said, no, tell me about yourself. What do you guys do for fun? And what do you, you know, where are you from? And tell me about your mission. What did you love about your mission? Whatever it is, right? But I just was so petrified about that Mm -hmm. interaction that it was easier just to not be exposed to it when that exposure could have really taught me a lot and made me a better leader. And so through these, these virtual summits, like the LGBT Saints Summit, the hope is to start that exposure of saying like, oh, you know, this looks like a perfectly normal individual. And I... I now have some skill sets or some perspective that can help me walk across the street and knock on that door and start talking to somebody. I love that concept. And I heard that in a couple of episodes of yours that I've listened to, that concept of don't be afraid to connect with someone that you don't know, whose scenario you don't understand or that is foreign to you. Don't be afraid to get to know them and ask questions and find out as opposed to just being like, this is something I don't understand. This is something I should stay away from or something I shouldn't speak to them about because I don't have experience with it. Like, I love that concept of just don't be afraid to find out. Yeah. And there's this, I don't know if it's just in our nature as humans, but there's this feeling of like, well, if I even show that I'm being friendly or something, like I'm condoning their life or their choices in some way. But as you sit down and think with that, like that is like, this doesn't make sense. Right. But nonetheless, in the crazy dynamics of mortality and and the cultures we live in, sometimes we feel that way. In reality, it's like, no, you can actually just go have a conversation with somebody who sees the world differently than you and and you actually can create a deep friendship there. And that's great. I always think back growing up, you know, we were taught to have friends that were like you, that believed like you, and all of those things so that you could stay on the straight and narrow. Like you could make right decisions. And I understand the idea and the concept behind that. But I think that kind of stuck in some of us as, well, I can't be friends with them. I can't. Don't associate with someone who's different than you. Don't even start the association. And so I think that it's so awesome. Conversation canceled. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's so awesome that we are starting those conversations and recognizing that, no, if we are truly striving to live as Christ lived, we are engaging in these conversations and we are standing up for these people and we are helping them feel loved because ultimately that's what Christ did. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time it's, we, we see it as sort of a motivation problem, like, oh, what, you know, and it's easy to sort of 
feel jaded by a bishop, for instance. Like, why doesn't my bishop just come talk to me? Like, why doesn't he, you know, understand my my background and whatnot? But a lot of times it's not this that the bishop is unmotivated to do that. He simply doesn't have the skill set to even do that. It seems silly. Like, oh, does it really take a deep skill set to come have a conversation? Well, yeah, sometimes they just need that one or two sentences of how do I do this? How do I start the conversation? What if they start arguing with me or, you know, we sort of have these fears that aren't real, but you know, that's what our brain does but is, they paralyze you know, whenever us. there's risk, like avoid it, avoid it. And, right? and fear of offending someone by yeah, even, right. by even asking a question about, you know, by, or when someone's like tiptoes around the word gay with me and I'm right. like, you can call me that. I am that. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah, can exactly, use that word right. with me. It's not offensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and really understanding just what is that acceptance? You know, you can accept an individual completely, even though you may not accept their the premise of how they see things or their premise of how they're they're finding happiness or whatnot. If they say they're happy, well, they're probably happy, right? And and just embrace that and say, Great, well, how can I learn more about you? And and that usually, you know, it starts with that relationship. And then they want to know about you. And then suddenly they may ask you, so tell me about this Jesus, you know, or <laughs> whatever it is. And uh and it just grows a deeper conversation or a deeper relationship. So one of the questions that I had written down was how do you improve as a leader, especially when working with the LGBT community or along those lines? And you're kind of, I mean, this is kind of answering that question of don't be afraid to start. Don't be afraid to open the door, to knock on the door, to whatever it is and start that conversation. Yeah. And I uh, actually put it together a, uh a series of newsletters, and then I turned it into a podcast episode as far as the the reasons, I, I called it five reasons negative church culture exists, because we, also, we always, it's sort of a buzzword these days, talk about church culture. Oh, that's not doctrine, that's culture. And at the end of the day, like, what does that even mean? Like, we, it, it's easy to point at the elephant in the room, but, or the, the monster in the room, but it's a whole nother thing to say, hey, wait a minute, how did that monster even get in here? Like, who's yeah. letting it in? And let's talk about that, right? And so I tried to simplify this into five reasons this may be. And one of those reasons came from actually, a, I saw somebody on YouTube. I was just watching a random video. It's a Latter-day Saint individual. Uh, he's older and he said some things about the LGBTQ community. And it sort of struck me wrong. I'm like, wow, you're making a lot of assumptions in that statement. And then I sort of sat with that, like, why does this individual feel that way? And the thought that came to my mind was simply exposure. Like he hasn't had the opportunity or hasn't taken the opportunity to, to sit with people to see like, oh, like I can see how complex your situation is. And oh, I can see how now that you told me the stories of what all those youth leaders said to you all those years, I can see how that really caused some cognitive dissonance in, in your life and led you towards questioning everything about the gospel, right? And so that exposure can go so far of helping an individual diffused, especially a leader, diffuse that negative church culture. Because then we start making assumptions when we haven't been exposed to individuals or lifestyles or whatnot. And that's why I'm always like every year as the North Star Conference comes around, it's like, maybe you won't learn anything at this conference. Maybe it's not for you, but just be there. Like the fact that you walk in this room, now you're the sexual minority, right? And they're coming to you and hugging you and you're sitting with these people, you're hearing their stories, you're hear, hearing their heartache, whatever it is. Then you walk away with that, like, wow, I've been exposed to, to these individuals who've softened my heart, who've given me a broader perception and whatnot. And even for myself, I don't claim that I've, I've done everything I needed to do to be exposed to these different perspectives and whatnot. I mean, there's probably more I could do, but at least do something, at least find some conference, whether it's North Star or elsewhere or, 
or again, go to your, your gay neighbor and say, you know, how can I just understand more about your friends? Like you guys getting together sometime? Can I come to your next barbecue or whatever it is? <laughs> and uh, just that exposure go- does so much for an individual that you can't sit down with a book and get it from a book or, you know, you can't read the scriptures more, pray for it. You like have to go out and engage with individuals. I resonate with that for sure, because I remember when I was in college, I had a roommate that liked to go down to the bars and he would get pretty you know, drunk down at the bars. And <laughs> there was a couple of occasions where I just, I would go down to the bar with him. I wouldn't drink or anything, but down at the bars, usually if you are the DD, the designated driver, the bartenders will give you as many Red Bulls as you can drink in one night, right? So how many Red Bulls can you and drink? And so I, I, probably like <laughs> seven or eight. Oh dear. I, so because that sounds like safe driving. Yeah, after. Yeah. But but my point is this: is that I remember one Sunday after going down to the bar with my roommate, my bishop called me in into his office and he said, "Matt, you need to really stop going to the bar with your roommate." And I said, "Why?" He said, well, you're just putting yourself in a position to fall into drinking alcohol. Well, I told him, I said, look, I have no desire to even touch alcohol. Like that doesn't intrigue me. What intrigues me is to be there for my friend and get him home safely so that I know that he's safe. And I exposed myself in that. Well, that sounds terrible. I, <laughs> I, I placed myself in a position that, that gave me more exposure into the lifestyle of my roommate here. And I then quickly saw there were several members of the Institute that were also in this bar. And I was like, okay, I can now (laughs) feel like I can connect with them on, on a level or so that they were comfortable in connecting with me. Although I wasn't, I wasn't partaking. I was just there to gain the exposure and it created trust in reality. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, anyways, yeah, surely. not that I'm recommending that that's, that's the route to go, but at the same time, yeah. like I questioned my bishop's thought process of telling me, do not go there. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm yeah. good. And it clearly was sending a statement to your roommate and to those other individuals you mentioned of you're someone who, even though you have different habits and beliefs than they do, it doesn't put you at odds with them and you can certainly still connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up, uh, use an example of a bar. I was actually, I met the one of the executive producers of the Chosen series a few weeks ago, you know, the TV series about the life of, of Christ. And in the first season, the first episode, there's the scene where Christ goes into a bar to go after Mary Magdalene. Oh, and yeah. he said that he had several people respond to him and say, hey, you know, Christ would never go into a bar. Like, why, why did you do the scene that way, right? And his response was, he'll go wherever we are to rescue us. Like he's pursuing our heart, not necessarily our behaviors. And that's that's a whole nother wormhole we could go down as far as this. We often confuse like the pursuit of behaviors, like that God's actually coming for our behaviors and he wants us to behave a certain way. When in reality, he's coming for our heart. Once he has our heart, then we'll behave in the ways which he would want us to behave. But it's not this battle of behaviors. And the minute we sort of step onto the battle of behaviors being like, well, you know, that's not, you know, you shouldn't go there. You should, and that you were, we're missing the battle where that's really happening, which is the battle for the heart. Cause once whomever wins over our heart, that's where generally we stay. That's where we feel acceptance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where we find our happiness as well. Yeah. I love that. Kurt. So we talked about 
you know, your, the, your organization's involvement with LGBT topics. What what other topics yeah. are, you know, you mentioned some, some of these taboo topics or these ones that are a little less touched on. What other types of areas do you guys yeah. focus on? Yeah, so as far as like virtual conferences that we do, that's where we typically say, what what are the topics where we could really do a deep dive that would really help leaders? And we've done everything from like a whole conference about mental health, right? What do we need to understand about mental health that in the context of the church, uh, we've talked about simple motivation, which isn't necessarily taboo, but more like if there's any requests that we get from the Leading Saints audience, it's always, how do I motivate people? Like, how do I get somebody to, that I lead to do something that they don't want to do? So, um, you mean like those home teaching yeah, we, routes that you rearranged over and over? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that that wasn't the answer and wasn't motivating anybody. And then just uh, simple, we did a summit called Questioning Saints, where just around helping how to encourage somebody who's going through a, a faith transition, you know, who's, who's begin to question their faith. You know, it, it turns out we can't just say, well, pray harder, read the scriptures longer, and that'll do it. Like, there's so many more dynamics to these types of things. And then I mentioned the, the uh, one about pornography and helping individuals overcome pornography. And then we've done some that are more fun than anything like uh, how to be a better teacher and then how to run a meeting. Because if you've been in leadership for any longer than three days, you know that meetings are a thing that uh, you suffer through at times. So Yeah, it drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and everybody feels that way, but nobody's asking, well, how can we do this better? Right. So <laughs> that's awesome. I think one other topic too, and you, you alluded to it very quickly, but pornography. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that you also have. I don't know if you have a summit about it or. Just, yeah, we do. Okay. Huh? Liberating saints is what it's called. And, and that's, it's so prevalent. I mean, I mean, enter every cliche you've heard during your youth of this, the plague of the world or whatever, but it's, it's again, it's a lot of leaders approach it as a behavioral issue, right? Like if we just get the behaviors right, then then this will all be good. But it, th this issue is not, I mean, it's mainly a symptom of, of deeper things. It could be, you know, as far as trauma or it's often used as a coping mechanism and, and or somebody who's buried in shame in their life, like they don't know how to cope with that shame other than to numb out through inappropriate, you know, means like pornography. And so there's so much to learn there because I remember I was called as a young bishop and my first appointment as a bishop was a guy who came in and shared with me that he had a slip up with pornography. And I just looked at him and thought, well, I mean, have you tried to stop doing it? Like, how did, <laughs> how did, that, how did that go? Right. And, and I quickly realized, wow, this is uh, this is a deeper issue. I do not understand. And so we brought some experts to the table to hopefully uh, help leaders in that context. It's awesome. Have, have you guys, do you have material about, Blended families, divorce, co-parenting, families of where one is of a different faith and another parent, things of that nature. A little bit. We definitely, and that's the thing is a lot of these topics, it's like we never send out a news release and say, we did it. We covered every topic, every mm -hmm. angle of this topic, right? But uh, <laughs> we recently did the Single Saints virtual summit and uh, talked about divorce and those types of things. We definitely need more as far as, uh, what's the, the term for, you know, when when parents are of different beliefs or faiths or one has left the church or whatnot. Yeah. Inner, inner, an interfaith, uh, marriage, whatever it is. Mixed. <laughs> so mixed faith. faith. I don't know. <laughs> mixed faith. Yeah. Mixed faith marriage or something. Like, I don't yeah. know. And I'm, and yeah, I'm just asking that sure. Kurt because of the topics we talk about so often on our podcast, things that apply yeah. to our family scenario and our co-parenting yeah. situation and such. But well, I, no. I, I was just going to say, I remember shortly after I was divorced, I came up with the book title of my book that I was going to write as a 
faithful member of the church. And the book title is this, The Outcast with the Spotlight on You. And as a divorced member of the church, like right as you are divorced and going through that, like you are the outcast within the church, but the, the spotlight is on you. And because everybody wants to take care of you and they're doing their best in trying to take care of you. And there's just so many different angles that um, you could take with that topic. And why the outcast? Why that word, Matt? Because you no longer fit within what is supposed to be this family forever yeah. and this family unit is going failed. to stay together forever you because you failed. Your, fa- your eternal family failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah. so you yeah. do, you feel like the outcast, but the spotlight is on you. Yeah. Yeah, and it really comes down to, you know, we some, we unintentionally put the gospel into an equation, right? If you just follow this equation, then there's happiness at the end and everybody is in heaven singing together or something, right? And and then if we put it in the context of equation, we'll make sure you do these behaviors and then this result will happen. And we all know that life is much more messy than that. And sometimes it doesn't work out, right? And I remember being that bishop sitting in the office with somebody else and having this thought of, this guy is no different than me. Like, we could go back and look at everything they've done in life. Like, so why am I on this side of the desk and he's on that side of the desk? And the reality is, I don't know, like their life just comes at us differently or we, we struggle or experience different things. And so the equation breaks down quickly. One of you got unlucky and who knows which one? <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Depends yeah, that, on the circumstances. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. And, but it's so easy. And I think leaders can easily sort of fall into this uh, pitfall of being like, well, let me tell you, I'm on this side of the desk, so I figured something out. And let me tell you what I figured out. But that is never well-received, nor is it helpful, because the reality is, is we just need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what that looks like for you, I don't know, but you need to pursue that and engage with that thought. And he'll lead you along as far as where that happiness is. And that may take an individual out of the church. And I had to Bennett and Becky Borden on the podcast, and you know they lived 20 years outside the church in same-sex relationships, and then came back, and they both say, "Yeah, that was needed for me. Like I needed that experience for whatever." And a lot of you know Orthodox individuals look at that and think, "No, no, 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 no. I don't think you're understanding the equation correctly. <laughs> you don't leave the church to find the church, right?" But at the end of the day, it's like you have to make these tough decisions and we'll be praying for you and we'll always save a place in the pew for you as you're on this journey because we're also on this journey. But sometimes my journey doesn't come with a lot of the stigma, unfortunately, that other people's journeys do. And I wish I could get rid of stigma forever, but it's unfortunately in our uh, mortal experience. Yep, for sure. Okay, so we talked about kind of how to improve as a leader and that idea of exposing yourself the appropriate ways to to different, to different people, different lifestyles, different things so that you can learn what it is people need. But one of my other questions is how do we, as, and I'm going to call us the congregation, the people who aren't in those leadership positions, Mm -hmm. how do we also, you know, how can we support our leaders in that process of being exposed of, you know, my leader, like Steve in our last episode shared, We shared the best, worst, and funniest experiences that we've had with leaders in the church. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And one of Steve's, you know, was he had a horrible experience where somebody told him, well, it doesn't matter that he's gay. When he's 45, his sex drive will go away, and then he just doesn't have to worry about it. It's not a thing. So just hold out until then, white knuckle it until then, and then we'll be okay. 
And so, like, in that moment, you don't feel seen as the person sitting there. But also, like, what can you do? Do you have suggestions of what we can do to help the leaders? Help the leaders. Yeah, see us. Exactly. Yeah. I would start with just the the concept of empathy. And, you know, we talk about these marginalized groups that, you know, it's it's so effective and so helpful if we begin from a place of empathy, trying to understand their experience, go with them where they're at and be exposed to their experience, whatnot. And sometimes, especially in, in a Bible context, it's easy to sort of like dismiss the Pharisee, right? Like, oh my goodness, you are doing, like you are so orthodox that you're not helping, you're actually hurting, right? And a lot of times that's where we place church leaders. And with sometimes we feel this excuse to feel like, well, they they don't deserve empathy because look, they they are a place of influence and look what they're doing with it. Like, and and we sort of dismiss them. In the reality, if there's any blessing that came from being a leader, is that I've gained so much empathy for the leaders that are out there. And and so we have to start from the same place of empathy for church leaders and recognize, in a sense, they are a marginalized group in our faith community because there's not very many of them. There's usually, you know, there's one bishop in, in every ward rather than 50 bishops. And so when we come from a place of empathy, recognizing, wow, this individual is doing the best they can. How can I help? And the one question I used to say this half jokingly, but the question I hated most as a leader, as a bishop, was when a member came to me and said, Bishop, if there's anything, I let me know if there's anything I can do for you. You know, I, I, I'd, I'd love it. Let me know if there's ever anything I could do for you. And I, at this, I'd sit there and be like, look around. Like, there's, this place is on fire. Like, <laughs> there's plenty to do. Like, stack a chair or something. Like, you know, and, but it was sort of this, you know, they could, they could go to bed at night knowing like, well, at least the bishop knows that I'm here ready to help at any, at any moment, you know. But so to, take action, better rather than yeah, your actions are right. stronger than your words, right? Yeah. And I think the more appropriate question to take to the bishop is, and, and I said this to my bishop a few weeks ago, is I was in his office and I just said, Bishop, what keeps you up at night? Right. And he said something, you know, we're in a very growing area. And he said, and there's just so many members moving in and I just can't keep up with all their names and who they are and connecting with them. And so what did I do? I Start inviting people over for ice cream night. And then I'd send them a text. Hey, I just met the Frank family and here's their, you know, they got this many kids and he does this for work. Anyways, uh, he's great. We'll keep an eye on him. Right. And, and so I was actually stepping forward and offering a hand of, of contributing and understanding like, what is it that's keeping you up at night? So the empathy and then seeking out the, you know, what it is that they're concerned about. And then exactly what Matt referenced earlier, you may find a resource leadingsaints.org. And <laughs> you may feel prompted to copy a link and drop it in an email and said, Hey, Bishop, this man, I sure enjoyed this episode or this article, or, uh, you know, there's this, you know, this great husband in law podcast that wow, really just gave me a new perspective mm. of, of LGBT topics or whatever, and just send it to him. Right. At the end of the day, is that, that there's not a hundred percent success rate in all of this sometimes. And I get the emails of nightmare leaders, unfortunately, where it's just like, I read these stories and my heart breaks in a thousand pieces. And I think, oh my goodness, like you sell your home right now, move out of that ward, right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, we just have to have empathy and patience. And sometimes that simply means, well, I'm going to bear through this. I'll show up to church when I can. Maybe I need to take a week off here or there. But 
I know that in five years or three years or whatever it is, this guy or gal will be released and we can move on. Right. Like, and, and unfortunately it goes to that, but we got to start from a place of, of empathy and trying to understand what they're going through. So one of the things that I love that kind of, I feel like rounds this all out is asking questions and asking the right questions to be able to understand the people across the desk at, like you were saying, you know, the leader or the person that's coming in with their concerns to that leader of just start asking questions and getting to know how you can help the other person. Yeah. Yeah. The question that you ask, you know, what keeps you up at night? Like that allows them to share, okay, here's the problem. And with a problem solver like yourself, Kurt, is, okay, I'm going to figure out a solution here. And you can help with that. So that's awesome. It's funny because I think, I mean, I've seen both Steve and Matt in leadership positions in the church. And as I'm thinking specifically as like elders, quorum presidents, or when Steve was the elders, quorum president, and when Matt was the bishop. I wasn't the bishop. I mean, in the bishopric. It's coming, Matt. It's coming. (laughs) In Belize, were you in, you were the elders, quorum president. That's Mm -hmm. correct, right? Okay. So, but I remember like, that's what they did. And something that I admired about both of them is that they took action. Like they asked those questions. Okay, so what is it? Where do you need us to show up? What do you need us to do? And then they went and did it. And I just really admired that in in watching that. And that's also something that has taught me, okay, so now I didn't serve a mission. So maybe I don't know as much as how to serve in the church. I think that was something that mm-hmm. I kind of internalized. Of, oh, maybe I don't know how to serve. But watching them was like, okay, I need to see where they need help. Ask the leaders where they really need help. And not, like you're saying, like, what keeps you up at night? What is the real core issue here? And then yeah. take action. Do yeah. it. And I recognize there's individuals probably listening to this thinking, no, I've, I've tried all that, Kurt. Like, it, this is, I'm in an awful situation. I don't, I'm yeah. even contemplating whether I continue going to church, or whatever. And for those individuals who are really wrestling, I often just encourage them. I think your role is to offer a relationship to others. Like, we need your person sitting next to another person in Sunday school saying, like, you know, I sort of get you. I understand you. And I'm here too. And ah, this is messy here. I'm not, I don't necessarily want to dwell on the, the negative aspects of, of this bishopric or this Relief Society presidency or whatever, but, but I'm here and I'll look for you next week too. And can we sit together, right? And maybe you can come over and I'd love to hear more about your experience or whatnot. And so there's something that even the lay members of the church who are just trying to find a place and excitement and a purpose in their local ward, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do to s- just simply sit with somebody and offer them a relationship, a connection. I love it. Perfect. That's where I'm, I'm like right now. That's all I want to do. Can that just be my calling? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I'm the assigned person to sit connection with people. Maker. Yeah, and, and here's the If only we had some type of like organized effort where maybe we could call them all like ministering brothers and sisters, right? Where you just go and you, you try and connect <laughs> oh. with people, right? And that's the thing is sometimes uh-huh. our bureaucracy and our this large church beast, as you would like, we try and formalize these things and we sort of lose the point of it by formalizing it, right? Yeah. But, and the reality is, Jessica, that is your calling. That is you know, my that's, calling. That's pretty it's cool. True. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, it's, and it's Steve's calling too, whether he thinks he's got one still or not. <laughs> that's, that's Steve's calling as well. So. Yep. He comes to church every once in a while and sits with people. Yeah. That's Steve. Yep. It's true. <laughs> we need more blue. When Penny we need sings. more blue hair at church. I'll tell you that. Heck so. yeah. <laughs> blue hair, shaved heads. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. What were you going to say? Oh, when Penny sings, Steve's yeah, there. It's true. Penny sings a lot at church, so Steve shows up. Cool. Nice. Awesome. Any other questions that you guys have? I think we covered that pretty well and also provided a great resource along the way, which is always a bonus. There you go. Yeah, I was just going to clarify something real quick. Um, You mentioned yeah. that your wife is from Idaho and she is from a potato farm. I just want to clarify that not everybody who lives in Idaho everyone lives on a, a potato farm. <laughs> everyone <and> lies. <laughs> um, I just Where, well, know that, that that assumption is there. What potato farm? Where? Uh, it's in eastern Idaho and Blackfoot. Blackfoot. All potato farms are in eastern Idaho, by the way. <laughs> yes. It's Not almost two states. Right. It's almost like northern California and southern California. There's like yeah. you know. Eastern Western, Idaho, Western Northern Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a different world, but yeah, <laughs> not all Idaho of us is. come from Northern Idaho. Farms. We don't claim anymore. So. That said, I did drive truck on a potato farm <laughs> back in the day. Steve loved driving truck <laughs> on potato farms. Nice. I love driving a spot nice. truck. It's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much with our audience and then also Everything all of the work you do. you do. It's amazing and we love it and support it and we're grateful for the impact you've had in our lives. Well, thank you. I'm glad I could participate and uh, let's stay connected and see if we can keep encouraging the saints around the world. So Sounds, Sounds great. great. Thank Thanks, you. Kurt. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for being here today. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you want more from Kirk and from the Leading Saints organization, head to our show notes. We have links there that you can follow Kirk and the Leading Saints on social media. We also have the link to the LGBTQ Summit that Kirk talked about in this episode. It is free. It is a great resource for anybody in and out of the church, whether you're a leader or a member or not, whatever it is, go check it out. Great information there to support our queer friends and family. And I hope that you have a great week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband-in-Law. All right, now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.